Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study of the New Testament, this is part number 247. We're in chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. We have worked through the New Testament pretty much a chapter at a time over the last five years. You're doing really good. We're on the home stretch. We have, I think, uh, nine more after this one. And then we'll move into the Old Testament, and we'll pick it up from there, and we'll do the Old Testament a chapter at a time. That'll take 15 years-ish. And then we'll have done the whole thing. Good for you. I will have read to you every verse of the Bible at the point in time 15 years from now. So that's pretty good. And, uh, and so there you go. Um, Revelation is a fascinating book. It's, uh, it's a book, you know, with the promise. It's, um, it's a book that intrigues a lot of people. It's a book that seems to intimidate a lot of people. Um, and uh, that's all good. Um, as we've been studying, and I always tell you, remember, it's, uh, well, there's different ways that people interpret the book of Revelation. Some people believe that all these events have already happened, and they happened in John's lifetime. Um, some people believe that they're all just symbols. They're not really activities at all. It's just a story of good and evil. Um, some people believe in, in sort of a different time periods for the church, processing through this whole process. But um, I, I tend to hold to a futurist viewpoint although certainly not like that's all there is. I give you know, the others, good theologians believe in the other ones for good practical reasons. But, um, and what that means is I don't believe the events have happened yet. I believe they're coming and that we're moving in that direction. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. We can still have fellowship. It's not a, it's not a deal breaker, at least not as far as I'm concerned. So uh, hopefully it's not with you. Um, it's, a, it's a revelation. It's, uh, I believe, a prophetic um, which, you know, that it hasn't happened yet. It was prophetic certainly at the time. It still is. These events haven't taken place. And so we don't want to get caught up um, in... Sometimes people get stuck in Revelation trying to figure it all out. Or they'll hear somebody explaining it in a way, oh, that's what it really means. And remember, anybody explaining it, nobody really knows exactly what it means. We don't know. It's, a, it's because we can't know yet. Um, we get a lot of clues about Jesus in it, and that's what you remember. And I, I keep telling you all the way through to make sure that you know... That as a believer in Christ, um, you don't have to be afraid of whatever comes your way. You are covered in him and he's got you. Um, if we, um, you know, I, I, would, I would like to believe that we actually as the church are caught up out of here before the tribulation. However, that's not the case. And I, I know there's a lot of good teachings on all sorts of places in that. If that's not the case and we're here for the first half or we're here for the whole thing, um, regardless of the events going around us and the persecution that you might face, um, Jesus has got you. And, and while it's not a, um, a, cover, a promise for everyone uh, that you'll escape physical harm, there is a spiritual covering and promise in you that you will be with him forever in Christ and you don't need to worry about it. And so there should be a settledness that comes from that, that extends through whatever we face in the course of our life. As believers, we can be settled in him. And so as we move into this chapter now and, and next chapter, there's sort of a this, this description of things happening. Um, the, uh, the seventh trumpet is sounded, and before the first bowl judgment comes out, these chapters kind of talk about events that are going on to sort of set the stage for the battle that's unfolding um, between um, the enemy and God and um, how ultimately God is allowing all this to happen as a way to once and for all eradicate evil um, from, from, the, from the whole deal, from the system. And so um, uh, evil will, 
sort of climb to a um, pretty lofty place during this three and a half year period that's going on. And in the last chapter, we were introduced to the dragon, um, which uh, it's a picture of Satan, and uh, he sort of entered into the scene. And so um, we have the false god, Satan, and then we're going to meet the other two players in the sort of unholy false trinity in this chapter. You're going to meet the false Christ or the Antichrist or the false Messiah, and that's the first beast that we'll read about. And then then we're going to also in this chapter run into the false prophet, um, sort of the false Holy Spirit in this false trinity. And, and so these players are entering the field uh, at this point in time. The enemy and was constantly trying to mimic what God has done. And so he sets up this unholy trinity. Um, and for a while, they have this three and a half year run to sort of um, unleash their mess on the world. And you'll see the heart of the enemy once again displayed. Remember, his desire was to be worshipped um, and to be God's equal which wasn't going to happen, and um, it was his pride that got him in this state, and, and it continues to push him on, and you'll see the evil one acting in a hatred that forces people to surrender their freedom to him, and what we see throughout history with God is that um, he, he always acts in love by giving people the freedom to choose, to follow him or not. It's always a choice. It's the highest sort of picture of love. You have a choice. And uh, he only wants, he wants to hang out with you, but only if you want to. That's the heart of God. That's an amazing thing. You know, people sometimes get all stressed out about the end, you know, and they, they talk about eternity and they say, well, you know, um, so-and-so was a good person. Can you say, are you going to say that God, you know, just, you know, condemn them to, uh, uh, to hell or whatever? And I always say, it, it's, it's God's heart is that everyone would be in relationship with him. Everyone. Um, but it's your choice. And if you choose not to be in relationship with him now, that's your choice. And that lasts because he honors your choice. And so that's why it's so important that we share with people the good news and that they understand that they're making a choice. And that's, it's, it's, it's God just honoring their choice. It's a very, really loving thing. It's not his heart that anybody would not spend eternity with him. But gee, people will choose to. And he honors that choice. And, and so that's a big part of what's happening in the process and even in the redemptive thread that we see beginning in Genesis 3.15 and working its way through this very story. God's always making a way for his people to be reconciled to him and so that he can be with them and us forever. So let's look at Revelation 13.18 verses and we'll make a few points on the other end of this. And the dragon stood on the shore and we, like I said, that's, that's the enemy. We know him. That's the evil one. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound but the fatal wound had been healed. So this is the Antichrist we're being um, told about. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast who can make war against him? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. That's the three and a half year period. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them, and he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast 
all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also focused everyone, small and great, rich and poor, slave and free, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, a lot of stuff in there, and probably right there at the end was the stuff that a lot of people like to talk about. The mark of the beast, and 666, and ah. So, I'm not going to discuss either one of those topics. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> but we'll get there. Here we go. So, the first four verses, um, the beast is a, is a symbolic term um, that, that used uh, prophetically oftentimes to either describe a person or a kingdom. And so in this case, the beast is referring to a person, um, who, which is the Antichrist, or the false Messiah, who um, will be given authority by the enemy to um, deceive the world for three and a half years. And um, he'll do a lot of um, supernatural-looking signs in a, in a counterfeit way. They're always trying to mock what God has done and is doing, um, and, and people... Um, unfortunately, who don't know Christ are going to be deceived. And um, that's what, what's taking place in this period of time. Um, verses 5 through 7 tell us that, that, that this Antichrist is given authority for three and a half years, which will come to an end in the battle that we're going to read about in Revelation 19, in which the enemy loses and Jesus wins. Um, so we know that that's going to come. Um, it's just a matter of time in the process. Um, you need to know that during this time, even though all this mess is happening all over the world and everything's going on, God is always in control. He's allowing evil to just run its course, and this is what it looks like. And, and so it's released to run its course in this time. But let me say it again. Um, believers in him during this period of time are spiritually protected. It doesn't mean they... He said, you know, it said that there's persecution going on. It may not be that they, they survive the entire time um, in physical body but um, they will be fine spiritually. They'll be with Jesus. He's got them, and uh, just like he's got us. So even if we don't sort of happen to get caught out and miss this mess, um, it's okay. Whatever we endure, we endure. It's part of the deal. Um, but you never need to be afraid, and you need to know that he's got you, and he's with you, and that he's for you. He cannot. The enemy, the evil one, can't interfere with your eternal life with God. Um, he just can't. And, and so um, that's the process. But, you know, there's a, there's a thing. Hey, this is going to be a tough period of time. Let's not um, 
it's a mess. All the judgments that have already taken place have changed the face of the world. And now um, the evil one rises to power in a way that he's never had power before. And it's just, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a, horrend- a horrendous time. But, you know, um, the, the, some of the reason they believe, uh, you know, the early believed this was that that's how evil the Roman Empire had become because a lot of people thought these were the events that were happening. That guy was wicked, evil, and just went through and the, the early church was persecuted like that. That was the, you know, they spent that season where they were being used in the games and fed the lions and set up, literally set up on as human torches. You know, there's accounts of times in Rome when, when you, they would basically light the streets with the believers that they would set up on fire um, on the sides of the street. I mean, just horrendous times that the world has endured and throughout history, unfortunately, as the evil of man is shown. Um, but this will be a time like no other, and it will be intense. But as believers, you don't have to worry. And then, like verse 8 and 9, um, because in verses 8 and 9, it talks about, uh, in verse 8, it talks about the book of life. And, and uh, that's, a, that's an important thing to catch, and, and hopefully you caught that. The book of life is, is, is the names of those who will live with God forever in heaven. It's basically a role of everybody that's been saved. And, and uh, the, the book of life is mentioned in, in Revelation 3.5, Revelation 20.12, Philippians 4.3, it's also called the Lamb's Book of Life. You'll, in a couple of places in Scripture, Revelation 13, 8, 21, 27, um, that um, uh, they're the same book and, and just re- referenced a little differently. Um, and so that, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty important thing, right? Having your name written in the book. You want to be in that book. That's one of the, rec- that's one of the records you want to make sure you got your name in. And uh, how, do you, how do you get your name in there? You, you trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, and you, you live for him. You repent of your sin, and you get right with God, and you live for him the best that you can, um, filled with the Holy Spirit and doing all the things that we talk about, you know, in, in loving him and walking this thing out. Um, and when you do that and you trust in him as Lord and Savior of your life, your name is written in the book of life, and that's a very good thing. There's nothing better than that. That's like the thing. If you, if you, if you want to shoot for anything... Get your name in the book and, and then settle on that and you're, you're in good shape. Once your name's in the book, you're in good shape. Get your name in the book um, by choosing to live for him. With him as your Lord and Savior. I love that what the Apostle John writes next is, after he says that, get your name in the book. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He's saying, listen, I just told you something that's really, really important. You better make sure you heard what I just said. I'm re- you know, I know you're getting fixated on all this mess that's going on and everything else I'm telling you, but I just told you the main deal in the revelation. Get your name in the book of life. Here's, here's how it looks. And if you heard me, act on that. You, you want to not worry about where things are headed? Get your name in the book of life. You don't ever need to worry again. It'll just, it's going to happen, whatever it is. You don't need to worry. That's an amazing gift and promise of being um, in, in the kingdom of God with him as your Lord and Savior. And then verse 10, even if, this, uh, even if your believing life causes persecution in the temporal life, it's worth it because what's coming is, 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 is far better than anything you will endure right now. So it'll all be worth it. Um, and, and even if the temporal life that people face is difficult, if they'll hang on to Jesus um, and, and live with him and for him forever, it, it all works out in the end. And remember, this is just a blip on the 
scope of eternity. Our lifetimes are just a, just a small blip. And, um, you know, we're, we're given this time to choose. And so choose wisely and get your name in the book. That's what John is saying. Then in verses 11 through 15, the second beast pops up. And this, uh, this, he's known as the false prophet. Um, he's sort of a false Holy Spirit type in the unholy trinity. And, and so he does some of that sort of similar counterfeit ministry that, that we would attribute to the Holy Spirit. And so now you have in place for this battle, this unholy trinity, uh, the false God, the false Messiah, and the false prophet or false Holy Spirit. And they have a three and a half year run that causes great destruction. Now, um, verses 16 through 18, two things that people are always interested about, the mark of the beast and 666, that number and what it means. So this mark, do you remember, we already read that, that um, the, the believers are sealed during this time by God, so the believers have a seal. Well, now the, the mark is sort of a counterfeit seal. It's the opposite thing. And, and so the enemy um, decides to um, put a, you know, a mark on his, the people that are following him. And uh, uh, it's, it's literally placed, apparently, on the hand or the forehead, uh, and um, that, that, that this is the thing that's going to take. Now, in our, in our world today, remember, 2,000 years ago, they had no clue, but, you know, they get branded in what they do. But now, um, people get all up in arms a lot because of the, um, those implant chips, the RFID technologies. And um, a lot of people think that that's how they're going to sneak this mark of the beast on everybody that you're going to have to have this implant thing and they're going to put it on your hand or your head or something and then you're doomed. Um, I don't think that's really what's going to happen. Some people freak out even about medical implant chips and stuff. And I don't... Um, unless the, along with that is some sort of profession of worshiping Satan, I really don't think you need to be that concerned about it. Because I think there's a... The, this mark is given to people that worship the enemy. And um, if that's not your intent or desire, I don't believe that this needs to be of big concern at this point in time. And that, um, uh, but you know, if you think differently, that's fine too. But people get so concerned about where we're heading. And I I keep trying to tell people, listen, if you're a follower of Christ, don't worry about it. He's got you. He's got you. You, you, you will, you, there'll be a way for you to do whatever you need to do. As long as you're a person of mission and purpose and you've got things to do here, Jesus has you. And at that point in time when that's no longer necessary, you're, where, where we head is better. So it's a win. So you don't have to, because people get really afraid about this stuff when they start to read about it. And I want to tell you, it's, it's not. In, um, this, this particular mark that they're talking about is given to people that worship the Antichrist. And so... Um, I, I, I am convinced you can't be tricked into it. Some people think they'll get tricked into it. I just, I don't believe that will happen. You can't be tricked into it, all right? Um, it does tie in with economics, which isn't surprising. Uh, at, some, at some point, this mark will be the only way that these people can buy and sell. Um, but we're not there yet, and, and don't worry about it. Um, I've heard people say all sorts of stuff, like debit cards are the mark, you know, that, and, and um, don't worry about it. Seriously, because I got a debit card and I am, I promise you, I am not worshiping the devil. <laughs> um, so a, a lot of people have spent a lot of time on this. There's a lot of talk about it. I get that. I'm not belittling any of that. If you have a firm belief in that, that's okay. But I don't think you, you know, I just don't, have, most people that you're really having that get really stressed and anxious and, and start living differently than I think is impactful. Remember, we, we're here as a people 
um, with a mission. We're the church. And we're to impact the world around us while we live here. These are future events. We, and, and, and whatever that looks like, we'll deal with. And we'll know when we're in it. Um, and we're not there yet. And so we're to make sure we're living in a way that impacts the world around us for Jesus. That's our mission. That's our goal. That's our purpose. That's where life is found. That's what matters. And we want to be careful that we don't get distracted by all this stuff that we can't really quite put a handle on in it. And it causes us... Because what... When people really get caught up in this, they tend to withdraw and isolate and sort of try and prepare somehow themselves for the future. And, 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 and at that point, you, you become, your mission changes from the one that we're given to a very sort of self-focused mission. And, and uh, I, again, I, I don't mean to be judgmental. I just, I think it takes people out of the game. The game, the, the life, the, 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 the whole deal. It takes you out of the way. And, and I think it's a trick. So, um... Don't worry about it, and it'll, we'll have plenty of time to figure it out, and we'll know when it's coming. We'll know when the, you will know when the Antichrist is, is upon us. You will know. It, it won't be a guess anymore. And that's sort of the next thing, um, that whole meaning of 666. It's a mystery. And uh, apparently, you know, the Apostle John, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wanted it to be that way. And he says, so calculating it requires wisdom, and, uh, and some people have spent a lot of time trying to crunch numbers on 666 to figure out who it is. There's a whole mathematical um, sort of language that's used, and they, they, they um, assign numbers to letters and then try and crunch up names so they come up with 666. And um, they've been, over, to, over the course of time, over history, they've done it. They, um, they took names like Caesar Nero, and by applying numbers to letters... They were, they, that one apparently comes up to 666. Ronald Wilson Reagan does the same thing. Mikhail Gorbachev. Lots of different popes seem to have, seem have been accused of this process. And, um, and, and yet, they, the, the trick here it is, they, they start shifting the math to make things work. You know, people can manipulate numbers. Anybody aware of that? <laughs> to make them sometimes say things they don't really say. Um, and so all sorts of, um, you know, mathematical gymnastics have been sort of employed to try and figure out who this is. Um, and, and yet we don't know. We're not exactly sure what it means. You know, the 666, um, is, it, figuring out is not the main point of, of even Revelation 13, 18. Um, the, the, um, we know that the Bible uses the number 7 to refer to God and his perfection, and, and 6 is considered to be the number of man, um, you know, which, because man always falls short of perfection. And, and so this idea of, of three sixes could just be this picture of, uh, you know, this unholy trinity. Um, it, it, could be, uh, it could be symbolic of a lot of things. And, and um, uh, so, so, you know, there, there's a lot of different things that this whole thing could mean. But I, there's a verse I want to, we're going to end with. Um, it'll be clear who he is when he's revealed. And we'll know then how that number works. It will be abundantly clear. In Second Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4, Apostle Paul says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. They're talking about the false Messiah. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. You will know beyond a doubt any shadow of doubt that this has taken place. At that point, if we're all still here, then I'm, I might resist taking an implant to exchange money. <laughs> but not until that point.
So um, you get what I'm saying. That's, that's, when you, that's when things start to open up. But hopefully, uh, if my understanding of the feast is correct, and you don't have to believe me, I, I don't think we have to worry about it. I think we'll be partying with Jesus and waiting to come back with him in chapter 19, which is the, the fun trip back. So um, I like that, but whatever. I don't, we're covered in him. You don't have to be afraid. You get your name in the book of life, and then there's no worry is off the table. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So um, that's good for tonight. If you're watching my video or on TV, thank you. We appreciate you doing that. We'd love to hear you to come and visit. If you need prayer, go to the website, send us a request. We'd be happy to pray for you. And uh, we'll just call it that with that. Please shut that down.